Hi, and welcome to The Snooze Button. My name is Neil Headley. Big week here on The Snooze Button. First of all, uh, this week marks the premiere of a short version. The episode that you're about to listen to is over a half an hour in length. Uh, However, starting today, you can also get a nine-minute sort of highlight package that we are calling The Snooze Button Express. It's already available on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts hasn't quite come around yet. However, you can find the short version if you head to our website, which is thesnoozebutton.com. And as soon as Google Podcast has that rack together with letting uh, people know that we're out there, we'll bring you up to speed on that as well. Our guest this week is Dr. Connor Heenahan. He is the lead sleep researcher at Fitbit. Now, if you heard our episode with Dr. Michael Grandner from the University of Arizona, uh, you know that we got into an in-depth conversation about sleep trackers and my uh, intended goal for not only the podcast, but the book that will follow And he told me at the time, Michael did, that uh, a Fitbit is going to do a more than adequate job of being able to track changes in my sleep. And so letting me know whether or not the things that I'm going to be trying over the next several months are actually having an impact, positive or negative, on my quality of sleep. So with that in mind, we wanted to touch base with the people at Fitbit and get an update on where the technology from their perspective is, including things like best practices, um, some interesting ways people are using their Fitbits, kind of a roadmap for the future as well, uh, just a lot of different ground that we cover here, including an in-depth analysis that Connor did of my Fitbit data. I opened my account to them and I said, here, go ahead and download as much of my information as you want and do some analysis. So we get to hear Connor dive into my numbers a little bit as well here. So without further ado, Dr. Connor Heenahan from Fitbit. First of all, thank you for making time for this today. I appreciate the help. Yeah, it's great to meet you. And uh, thanks for interest in in our work and interest in the area of sleep in general. It's uh, wonderful to have people who are enthusiastic. Well, and and we'll get to that in a second, too, because you you just touched on something that I find interesting about the attention that sleep is suddenly getting and how overdue that is. But before I get to that, there is one official piece of business I have to take care of, which every guest on the snooze button gets the same first question, whether they're a world class neuroscientist or the lead guitarist for a rock band. Uh, How did you sleep last night? I yeah, slept reasonably well. I had a uh, six hours and 19 minutes of sleep, according to my wonderful Fitbit device. Uh, I got a sleep score of 74, uh, which is about average for the Fitbit population. So it was, it was pretty good. Um, I'd like to sleep a little bit more, but I have a long commute in the morning. So I have to kind of stick to a, a tight regime, go to bed at 10 o'clock and get up just after six in the morning. So do you find the same thing that I do when people start talking about sleep hygiene and they start talking about, you know, well, if you want to make sure you get this many hours of sleep, then you need to go to bed at this time. Do you find it as difficult as I do to sort of wind the clock back in terms of when you actually go to bed? Because if you're going to bed at 10 o'clock, yet it sounds like you got less sleep than you wanted. You know, somebody, the, the, the people that I'm used to talking to lately in the sleep world will go, well, just go to bed earlier. And but for some of us, that just doesn't work, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I have worked hard to, uh, to get to that kind of, I give myself a, like an eight, eight hour sleep opportunity window. Uh, big, big change this year. My son started high school and that meant my wife had to go to bed earlier. So, uh, this has actually got a little bit easier for me in the last six months. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Real life gets in the way. If, if your spouse, uh, 
if their schedule hasn't gone to bed at 11, you got to get to bed at 9.30. You, you have to figure it out. And it's, it's always a bit of a compromise. Uh, but yeah, but it definitely, for me, if I make the effort to really get to bed, you know, wind down about 9.30 p.m., uh, it has a big impact on the following day. So I've really worked, worked hard at that the last six months uh, in particular. And also, I mean, it's rather, rather sad, but uh, caffeine and alcohol, which are great pleasures in life. I've also been, uh, as, I, as I look at my own data more and more, yeah, particularly as I get a little bit older, realize that they have a big impact on my sleep. So I really have got very conscious about uh, reducing uh, you know, caffeine and alcohol. So more or less caffeine-free, and sort of only would really have one or one drink maybe on a weekend night or on a sorry weekend night. So it's um yeah, those are real sleep stealers. So yeah, I, I've actually put a lot of work since getting into the sleep area about fifteen years ago. I have actually got put a lot of work into it. Uh and I say particularly age is, is sometimes against us as uh, in terms of our sleep habits. As a broadcaster for 40 years, I can't tell you how much I appreciate um, getting an answer from someone that sparks 11 more questions. So I've got 17 extra roads to go down here just because of all the things you just said. Let me try and backtrack in some sort of cognitive order here. Let's start with um, one of the very first things you said was uh, that you were glad I was excited about sleep. And this is one of the things that I'm, I'm finding particularly interested, uh, particularly interesting right now is that sleep seems to be getting a whole pile of attention lately and it's attention that i think is overdue whether it's from nba players that are out there saying you know if you don't get enough sleep pre-game it'll mess with your performance the next night all those kinds of things um what do you think maybe is responsible for this sudden uptick in people's interest in sleep yeah i mean that's a really interesting question i mean for me it's been about 15 years working uh, in, in sleep. I think maybe it's uh, tied in, I suppose you brought up a sports analogy. I mean, people are looking for that extra 1% all the time. And often you might look to the sports industry as, as a place where kind of sets the tone for culture in general. And, you know, sleep is a critical performance, both uh, critical for performance, both physical and mental. So I, I could see that as being a place where sleep first came to attention. I see it also a lot in, I think, of the corporate world. I think a lot of business leaders, particularly in the last 10 years, have switched from this model of, you know, only see four hours a night and, you know, squeeze everything in and, and be hyper. And I think there's been a lot of uh, reflection uh, sort of amongst business leaders as well around the importance of turning up at your best every morning and, you know, coming in, you know, hungover or feeling tired or having to caffeinate to, to stay awake. People began to realize that that wasn't, that wasn't the way to go. So I think those are a couple of areas where I see sleep has kind of permeated into the, the, the kind of uh, uh, common culture. Um, I think you see it more, a little bit more on uh, TV shows. Uh, I used to work with a company that makes uh, CPAP, which is the sleep apnea treatment. And I remember uh, one, of the, one of the shows, I think it's, uh, I can't quite remember, I think it's Molly and Jean. Maybe Alex, you remember there's a comedy show that was on a few years ago. Mike and Molly? Oh, sure, Mike yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike and Molly. Molly, where I think you know Mike is a sleep apnea sufferer, and like that, that sort of thing makes brings it mainstream that you know it's brought into a sitcom that people can. It's not just like this strange thing that no one ever talks about. So I think there's there's definitely been upticks in lots of different areas in, in culture which have made sleep more relevant and more interesting for people. 
Yeah, sleep was never going to show up in an episode of 24. I'll tell you that right now with Jack Bauer <laughs> swooping down on the terrorists. But hold on first, I got to grab a nap. Um, you you mentioned when I asked about your sleep and and actually, let me backtrack for a second. And, and in the interest of full disclosure, talk about how you and I are even sitting together right now is that I've been a Fitbit customer since day one. Um, you know, no one has put any money in my hands to tell you that that's just the truth. Ever since the very first Fitbit came on the market, that's been my thing. That's been my, my go-to sleep tracker. Um, I was talking to my friend and yours, Michael Grandner from the university of Arizona and, um, an, an episode or two of the snooze button ago, we were talking about wearables and that's a thing Michael's very passionate about. And I told him about this journey that I'm on to try and get better quality sleep. Um, and, and he said to me that, you know what, the, the Fitbit and, and at the time I had a Versa, uh, he said, your Fitbit Versa is going to do a more than adequate job of telling you whether or not there are measurable differences in your sleep based on all these little experimental hacks and tricks and things like that that you're trying um, it'll, it'll be more than sufficient to let you know if those things are actually having an impact. So, uh, then he put me in touch with the friendly folks at Fitbit who said, yep, if you're going to do this thing and, and your Fitbit is going to be the benchmark by which you measure your success or lack thereof, you might as well have the latest and greatest. So here, let us send you a Versa two, which I'm, uh, have, I've been sitting wearing for about a week now. And so that's kind of how you and I got introduced is because if I, if I'm going to use my Versa two as the benchmark for the, the rest of the podcast and the book that will follow, I wanted to make sure I knew everything about it. So you invoked your sleep score, which as a life, well, as a brand long Fitbit user is a term that I had never heard before. Tell me about the sleep score, because that's a relatively new feature in Fitbits. What even is that? Yeah, the sleep score was basically to respond to customers who were saying, we love all the detail you give us. So as you know, in a Fitbit device, you can measure your duration of sleep, how often you woke up, how much light sleep, how much REM sleep. So there's a lot of data and you know it's fascinating. It's great to look at the graphs. But people said, hey, can you give me a single number that at least summarize it all so I know, roughly speaking, what, what was my overall quality of sleep for that night? Uh, so that's what the concept of sleep score is. And it's a number between 0 and 100. And the way it's, it's built up is we look at three major aspects of your sleep. So firstly, you know, still the most important thing is how much you actually sleep. So the, the total uh, sleep time is, is 50% of your score. Also combined with how often you woke up during that sleep. So our experience is that having a long sleep with minimum wake is, is a good thing. And that's generally accepted in the sleep community. The, the second part of the sleep score, which is 25% of the score, is the relative distribution of your deep and your REM and your light sleep. So as you probably picked up from your own reading experience, uh, deep sleep is very important because it's where you have physical restoration. Uh, you get human growth hormones secreted uh, more during that period than any other. Uh, REM sleep, which is also known as dreaming sleep, is also critical primarily for, for mental function. So sleep scientists in general recommend getting as much deep sleep as you can is a good thing. Uh, typically, you're going to get between 10 and 20% of your sleep will be that particular form of sleep. And uh, REM sleep is also important. And in that case, there's kind of a sweet spot, which might be between, say, 15 and 25% of your nights. So what we do with our sleep score is we look to see where you fit in those, in those ranges relative to your age and gender. 
And if you're in the kind of the optimal zones, we, we award the, the maximum marks. Then the final part of your sleep score is we call it the restoration. And what we did there is over the last few years, we've experimented with various physiological metrics to see how they correlate with your sleep quality. So what we discovered is that basically in, in the ideal world, your heart rate will slow down at nighttime to near its, its uh, sort of base rate. Uh, however, if you're stressed or if you've had too much caffeine or had you know, too much alcohol, your heart rate will often be elevated during, that, during the night. And that leads to poor sleep quality in our experience. So part of the restoration score is what does your heart rate do during the night? And then the second part of your restoration score is the amount of movement during the night. So, um, you know, if you move a lot during the night, it's typically giving you what are called uh, uh, autonomic arousals. Uh, which are basically, you're not quite getting into the deeper states of sleep. So we're looking for the large movements during sleep, combining that with your, your heart rate during sleep and coming up with a restoration score. And taking all those together, you get this sleep score, which I say is a number between 0 and 100. And the typical Fitbit user is hovering around about 75. And that's kind of the way we, we pitched it. Uh, we don't want it to be an exam. We're not expecting people to get 100 every night. Uh, what we really want to do is to tell people Find your own pattern. Uh, if you're a person whose average is 70, that's fine. Uh, but then you can experiment yourself. So you can, you know, you can experiment to see: Do I do better if I go to bed at the same time? Do I do better if I exercise in the evening? Do I do better if I exercise in the morning? Um, so we want to give that tool to people to, to kind of play around with their own sleep quality. Okay, so now I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to know because you're a sleep expert. You're one of the people that I assume helped develop what says what out of the Fitbit data. What's the best sleep score you've ever gotten? For me personally, I've got an 89. So never, never quite cracked the nineties. Um, but it, it's uh, starting to sound like golf, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I've got a, I, I'm quite a twitchy sleeper, so I think I have a little bit of the, the kind of periodic leg movements. Um, I think I think you you discussed with me prior to this call, um, which I think might be impeding me getting into those higher numbers. So do you do you wonder if I mean I I've seen this happen. I just don't know how much it's part of of the experience for Fitbit. Uh, you know, in in the larger picture, let's talk about the gamification sort of of the sleep score, because I'll tell you what happened with my wife and her versa is she would. It was this funny thing that would happen where she would wake up feeling refreshed and feeling like, wow, I got a great night's sleep. And then she would look at her Fitbit numbers and her Fitbit numbers would be like, well, you, you know, you didn't get very much deep sleep. And most of your sleep was then, you know, N1, like light sleep. And, and then she'd go. Yeah, that's why I feel like crap today. And I'd look at her and go, wait a minute, 10 seconds ago before you looked at your data, you said you felt great. What's going on? Do you find that people do that? They kind of gauge their day by what the data says they did last night? Um, I think I've had a few anecdotes uh, of people, particularly around uh, deep sleep. And, you know, people get a, you know, only 20 or 30 minutes of deep sleep. They, they're concerned and they feel like they're not going to be refreshed that day. So, yeah, I think it can happen. Um, I mean, just to kind of roll back a little bit, I mean, how do we actually develop this? We, we did literally went out, we did exactly the experiment you did, but we did a larger numbers. We, we actually asked people exactly, how do you feel? Uh, what's your mood? What's your energy level within half an hour waking up? And that's how we kind of correlated it back to these factors. So, you know, I think at a population level, we're, we're pretty confident that it makes sense. Uh, but there's definitely going to be 
outliers um, where, you know, some people, for whatever reason, they, they, they will respond differently to different stages of sleep. So, well, and, um, for, and for people yeah. who've been to a sleep lab before, I mean, that's part of the process too, right? You wake up in the morning from your sleep test and you fill out a questionnaire that talks about, here's how groggy I feel. Here's how alert I feel. You go through that exact same process in a laboratory setting too. Correct. Yeah. Um, and that's very much, you know, very important that there's one of the kind of big mysteries of sleep, which you, you might've picked up from, from previous uh, discussions is the perception of sleep and the objective measurement of sleep are often quite different. Um, that's particularly the issue around insomnia. Um, people who are insomniacs will often claim that they you know, didn't sleep at all or they only slept a few hours. You bring them into a lab and it turns out that their actual objective sleep time is maybe only 20, 30 minutes less than a, let's say, quote, unquote, normal sleeper. So how you perceive your sleep is, is still really not very well understood. So. I can definitely see the case where people would, their perception of their sleep can be very easily swayed by either telling them they slept badly, telling them they slept well, some new number, some new information. So it's a, it's a very interesting area. Is there any difference for people that you're aware of? Because, uh, you know, there are so many settings in a Fitbit. Uh, you know, I look at settings like dominant wrist, non-dominant wrist, and then you start to read anecdotally about people who are using their Fitbit in different ways. I've seen stuff on, I think it was Reddit or something like that, like a Reddit group for Fitbit users where there were people who figured that the best way to see their periodic limb movements or their restless leg or anything like that, there are people, and I'm sure you know about them, that wear their Fitbits on their ankle instead of on their wrist. Do you have any, any sort of input on best practices for wearing your Fitbit? Uh, I mean, the, the general guidelines we have, are obviously using your wrist, um, there's very, the dominant versus non-dominant, there's a very, very small effect, um, which has been, which is kind of established before Fitbit ever started in this area when people were using just motion to look at sleep, uh, which is why we recommend to, to wear it on your non-dominant wrist, but it's a really marginal effect. If you wear it on your ankle, you will get a totally different view of your sleep, um, I actually personally haven't tried the ankle wearing. I, I, I'm, I imagine that the heart rate signal we get at the ankle is not going to be so great. It's not, a, it's not an easy place to, to measure, uh, but you will definitely pick up a lot more of the movements that a person with, with periodic limb movements would have. So it'd be quite interesting to, to, to dig into that a bit more. It's not something I've personally done. And the interesting thing for me, uh, and, and I'm fascinated by the technology, that you're able to pick up as much information as you are through something that basically is picking up, you know, signals off of the skin on my arm. You know, I, I'm imagining a scenario where if Fitbit wanted to get any deeper into the sleep world and and make these numbers any more authoritative than they already were, there'd have to be like an attachment for a Fitbit where you stick stuff to your head that then plugs into your fit. There's, there's no plan like that down the road for Fitbit. Is there, there's not going to be a version that comes with electrodes and things. Is there? I, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen the electrode plan. I must confess. Um, <laughs> you are right. I mean, certainly ultimately the brain is kind of, I suppose that the gold standard as much as there is of whether a person's asleep or not. So, yeah, there, there, are, there have been products in the past, and I think there's still some products where people are wearing nightcaps or they're wearing visors and so on. Um, my personal experience of that was it's, it's probably not something I would do every, every night. I'm not particularly comfortable with something on my head. 
but yeah, that, 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 that's certainly in terms of if you want to add to the sensor set, the brain wave is a good place to go. If you could have, you know, the breathing signal is very interesting. If people were willing to wear things like uh, stick on mustaches under their nose and we could, we could pick up their brain, it could be fascinating. Um, but yeah, but, you know, Fitbit is very much, you know, obviously we want to create a great user experience. Um, so I, I can't see us doing the stick on mustache in the near future, to be honest. Yeah. But I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, you know, and like I say, I mean, for for something that is is getting its data from being something that's ridiculously comfortable to wear. And if you wear a watch to bed that isn't already a Fitbit, you know, it's no different. I mean, um, the amount of data that comes back from this thing is amazing. And and one of the conversations that I had with Michael Grandner, uh, sort of one of the central points that he kept coming back to was, listen, if you need underscore the word need more granular data than you're getting back from your Fitbit, you need to go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that really, I mean, for me, sort of on a personal level, you know, why do I work at Fitbit? Why do I enjoy it? I mean, best case scenario for me with our products is people who have real sleep problems. The Fitbit kind of gives them that warning signal that kind of hints that something's not quite right. Uh, so let's say, you know, sleep apnea be the most, the most common in, in some ways of sleep disorders. You know, we want to basically be able to give people a heads up that there's something potentially uh, not quite right, but then we very much want them to talk to a medical professional about it and, you know, get the detailed the, the detail information. Um, as you know, you're probably being through a sleep lab yourself. Like doing a sleep lab, is, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not trivial. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's quite disruptive to your routine. You got to spend a whole night there. Uh, but it's worth it if you're going to face into like a lifetime of treatment for something like sleep apnea, you really want to make sure you get the, the best information on that one-off basis. But yeah, the great thing about Fitbit is you can wear it night after night and you can get those signals of what's going on long-term. Um, and also you can, you can track changes. So for example, people with sleep apnea, but very mild cases, they might be recommended to lose weight. And you know, where we'd like to get to in the future is to be able to give those type of people feedback on how their sleep quality is changing and hopefully improving as they, uh, as they lose weight. Well, and, and when you went through sort of the analysis that you did on my data, uh, just to give everybody listening kind of the background on this, um, obviously with my permission, uh, Connor and uh, his folks uh, downloaded about what, five months worth of data from my Fitbit and analyzed it. Um, mm -hmm. and you got a pretty thorough picture of what's been going on with me uh, un until you got to that inexplicable spike, which I then kind of clarified for you in an email later. But I mean, you've got a pretty clear picture of what's going on with me from the data that you've been able to glean from my unit. Yeah. So yeah, thanks very much for, for letting us look at your data. Um, as you say, as you know yourself, I mean, our, our device has been kind of saying you're, you've been getting consistently maybe, you know, between 200 and 250 minutes of sleep. Uh, so that's, you know, three to four hour type range um, for, for quite, you know, from May through the beginning of October. And then we saw this, you know, amazing increase up to close to uh, just, just below six hours. Um, so that was, you know, I, I was intrigued to know what was going on with that because it's, it's a pretty dramatic change, much more than we would see uh, sort of in a normal user. Um, and obviously we also saw a lot of uh, your, your schedule is pretty tough. We can see a lot of, a lot of early rising, uh, a lot of variable bedtime. Uh, fortunately, it seems like you get the chance occasionally on weekends to catch up a little bit. 
But even then, it sounds like for you, a lion is, is staying in bed till 7 a.m., if I understand correctly. Oh, big time. If I've, if I've thrown caution to the wind and I'm living like a sloth, then I'm getting out of bed at 7. Okay. So, yeah. So, so I don't know. I mean, maybe do you want to talk a little more about the, about the increase that you saw? What, you know, what, what kind of things are going on that, that led to uh, that good increase? Well, yeah. So the, so the increase that you spotted was in, and, and the graph that you had on the very first page of the stuff that you sent back to me, um, it's interesting because there's one line that all of a sudden spikes while the others basically stayed the same. The one that spikes is a total sleep time. And, uh, I was able to trace that back to the day that I started treatment for my, both my periodic limb movements and my restless leg syndrome, taking Mirapex. Um, and, and the spike in my sleep happened the very first night because that very first night I stopped thrashing around all night. And I had this, uh, they call it, uh, for, for those who are listening, who don't know all the terms, uh, they call it the periodic limb movement index. And for me, that number was at 82, which meant that 82 times an hour I kick in my sleep. Um, then I start the medication and that is gone away. And as far as my Fitbit is concerned, that's two or three extra hours of sleep every night that I'm getting. But the fun part was I looked at the graph that you prepared and my REM sleep and my deep sleep, even though I was supposedly getting three extra hours of sleep, those didn't budge. I'm, I'm getting just as much deep sleep as I was before I started the medication. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd be a little bit more off. I do think you're getting a little tick up on your deep sleep and your RAM, but you're right. It's still only down at the sort of 50 minute mark. Um, and it'd be nice to be able to, to get that a little bit, a little bit higher, uh, hopefully with, with a, a bit of time as the treatment settles in. And yeah, I was, I mean, I think you shared that number with me. I mean, I, I don't know what your doctor told you, but my understanding is more than 50 times an hour is considered severe. So that's quite a, quite a tough situation you, you had to deal with. Um, I'd say, yeah, you know, I can understand be hugely disruptive to your sleep uh, i i don't know what your doctor told you but um i, I imagine he said wow how have you been living with that so long might be the first thing that would come to mind is uh, it really is it's a uh, it's, it's very frustrating i imagine and i don't know in terms of when you did your sleep study if they saw that your deep sleep was very low um one percent periodic leg movements they as i say they give you these autonomic arousals so you're really not getting into the deeper stage of sleep as effectively as other people might be. Yeah. According to my, my first sleep study, I haven't gotten the results back from the second one yet. It was just the other night. Um, but according to my first sleep study, I'm, I get that night, I got 1% in what they call N3 or, or deep sleep, um, right. <laughs> which yeah. when my sleep doctor, Mark Boulos at Sunnybrook in Toronto saw that number, he, he just kind of said, you know, we need to work on that one. We need to get that up a little bit because for somebody my age and my gender, according to uh, his website that he and his team built, which is at psgnorms.com, it's it's uh, a statistical analysis they did of basically everybody that's ever gone to a sleep lab. And mm-hmm. here's what they do on their first night and here's what they do on their second night, all figured out by age and gender. Um, I'm supposed to be somewhere around 19.3% in in n3 sleep if i'm a 52 year old man according to what is quote unquote normal for the first night in a sleep lab you're supposed to be at 19.3 percent i'm at one so yeah a little work to do yeah wow yeah great luck you know good luck with that it's uh i'm really glad they got to the bottom of it sounds like that that particular medication is, is having a good effect for you 
Well, and I'm grateful for, uh, you know, all of the help that uh, even even though you weren't directly involved right out of the gate, um, you know, Fitbit is the reason that I decided to look at this in the first place, because I was looking at the data that was coming back and I was reading all the alarmist studies that talk about dementia and cognitive decline and all these sorts of things. And when I was looking at what my Fitbit said I was getting, I, I thought, OK, I got to start working on this because I have a 15 month old and I'd like to be around to pick her up from high school and all those sorts of things. So this is what led me down this road. And hopefully it's exactly what it does for a bunch of other people. I'm really uh, sensitive to your time. Um, and I'm incredibly grateful for, uh, you being able to have some time to spend not only going through my stuff, but kind of helping people get a better understanding of the role that Fitbit can play in helping them figure out whether or not, you know, this is something they need to investigate more. So really appreciate the time. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for your interest. Appreciate it. And great fun to talk to you. There you go, Dr. Connor Heenahan, the lead sleep researcher at Fitbit. All his info is waiting for you on our show notes and back on our website as well at thesnoozebutton.com slash podcast. That's where you can also find what basically we're going to describe as the highlight package. We call it the Snooze Button Express. It's an entirely separate podcast that you can also subscribe to. Send a link to a friend who might benefit from some quality sleep information and, uh, you know, conversations with the leaders in the sleep world, uh, both researchers and people putting products out there and the neuroscientists behind all of this as well. Um, follow us on the socials and our handle on both Facebook and Twitter, actually on Instagram as well, is Get Your Snooze On. So you can find us on social media in those locations as well. Twitter is interesting because we mostly tweet out a lot of interesting links to sleep-related articles that are out there, uh, including one that we just found from the National Institutes of Health that links poor sleep quality in middle age with dementia. Yes, it's yet another study that links those things together, and it's part of the reason why I took on this whole project to begin with. A new episode for both Express and the regular snooze button coming on Monday. That one's going to be interesting. We'll tell you more about it as we get closer to it. But in the meantime, see you next Monday. My name is Neil Headley. Get some sleep, would you?